stay positive. Keep your chin up and avoid falling into a negative mindset. There is power, Benj and Chris, in positive thinking. Welcome to Tractionville, the podcast for companies running on EOS. I'm your host, Chris White, along with my co-host, Benj Miller. And today, we're excited to introduce our listeners to Glenn Jackson. Glenn is the co-founder of Jackson Spaulding Marketing and Communications Company. And uh, he works with a couple big hitters, Chick-fil-A, Publix. I think we all have heard of those. Uh, Glenn, welcome to Tractionville. Thanks, Chris and Benj. Appreciate you guys having me on. It means a lot. Glenn, it means a lot to have you here. We don't get to hang out nearly uh, enough, but you're someone who has impacted me in the times that we've spent together. And uh, just watching you as uh, a pinnacle of the community around Atlanta, uh, your reputation is just magnificent. And I've gotten to see it a little bit close up. So I'm, I'm really anxious for Tractionville to get to know you personally. Um, Thanks, Ben. I want to start with one of the ways that you impacted me and you, you just spoke about this topic on a word that we don't use very often called preeminence and you broke it down in a book and I'd love to just start there. We can go all, all over the place with personal stuff, but will you take us first into your book um, and your pillars and how you got there and why you thought that was important? Yeah. Thanks for asking about that. Uh, Wrote the book a couple of years ago. It's called Preeminence, what it means and how to sustain it. Preeminence is a Greek word in origin. It means in Greek, Greek first in rank and first in influence. Proteo is the Greek word. And uh, I began to hear this word mentioned in various client meetings. Our clients were telling us we want to be a preeminent brand. We want to have preeminence within our company. And it piqued my curiosity mainly if what was what the definition of preeminence was from a business definition standpoint, and there wasn't one bench. So I wrote one and um, then identified seven distinct pillars that I think all preeminent companies and organizations embody. And my definition of preeminence is it is extraordinary excellence. Once reached and sustained creates a competitive advantage. And this kind of excellence is truly extraordinary. It's first rate in thinking and execution. It never plateaus, it's ceilingless. And this excellence, this preeminence is typically reached within a 10 to 15 year period based on my research. And then it's sustained every day. Companies like Publix and Chick-fil-A were blessed to work for, treat every day as they just open their doors for the first time. They have seven traits preeminent companies have that are inextricably linked. And these traits are trust, relationship building, marketing communications. They're very good as brand polishers and brand builders for their organization. Um, The cultural torch of servant leadership. They understand uh, the importance of culture and, and servant leadership. Another one, another pillar is uh, assessment. They ask really smart questions. 
about their business. They assess well. And then fanatical focus, which is about knowing the swim lanes of your organization and sticking to them. And finally, remarkable resiliency, never giving up, never giving out, never giving in, and staying buoyant every day in your company. You may have a rough day the day before, but you pop back up with buoyance the next day and keep moving the company along. That's just a few things uh, related to preeminence. And I really felt called to write it. I think in your business career, you only feel called a couple of times. And I felt called. It was like water dripping from a faucet that I just could not cut off until I started writing about the topic after a podcast I did with Andy Stanley. Some of those are, are like, as you read it, I'm like, yeah, that's good. That's obvious. Some of these are, um, you know, if you said, Benj, guess the seven topics, they just never would have entered my, my brain. Can you talk a little more about assessment? What are some of the smart questions that preeminent companies tend to ask? They ask about seven questions in some fashion or another all the time. And these questions are one, what do we need to anticipate? They're constantly looking around the corner for their, of their business. So they're asking, what do we need to anticipate is the first question. Number two is, what do we need to fix? Usually that's a short-term thing that needs to be fixed within a six-month to a year period. They ask that question a lot, anything we need to fix right now? could be a technology system. It could be your, your phone system. It could be something that's bigger than that uh, or just as important than that. The third question is, what do we need to improve, which is more of a long-term question? They ask their, that question a lot. And then where do we need to innovate? A key question, particularly now, where do we need to innovate? Five is, um, where can we get back? How can we get back? What can we do to advance our community? Mm-hmm. Uh, another question is, how am I growing as a leader? And they ask that question to others within their organization so they continue to actualize the full potential of their leadership. And then finally, I think that preeminent organizations ask this question a lot, what is the wise thing to do? When they're wrestling with the question and they're trying to figure out what do we need to do, they ask themselves rhetorically often, what is the wise thing to do? And they'll sleep on decisions. They won't make a decision in a rushed way. Sleep on that. Let's give that a little more time to marinate. And then there's clarity after giving it more time to think it through. One of the things that big companies, big brands get dinged for is that they're not as agile as some small companies. But um, I'm hearing from you that that can actually be a strength. And as you look at some of those preeminent brands that you work with, you know, the Deltas, the Coca-Colas, these, these are the biggest of the, of the big. And we think of them as slow, but is that actually a strategic advantage once you enter preeminence or do they see it that way? You know, it, it just depends on the organization. Um, I think they're thoughtful and they know when to move with speed too at the, at the right moment. So um, I think particularly now during the pandemic, it has accelerated decision-making and it's made organizations make quicker decisions and not get paralyzed sometime by too much minutiae 
and too much um, just just kind of talking about it forever. And I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of smart decisions made during this pandemic that um, um, show speed. So you got to know when to be about speed. You know, Tom Peters, the great business writer, said, chaos and uncertainty are market opportunities for the wise. Mm-hmm. Chaos and uncertainty are market opportunities for the wise. And I think there's a lot of market opportunities right now for the organizations that are wise. Yeah. You know, you've got such a good broad view of both culture and industry. What, what have you seen during this year of COVID and what do you see going into 2021? Um, well, I've reflected a lot about this um, and I, I wrote recently um, about the importance of staying power, staying power. You know, we're all staying at home literally right now during this season we're in. Uh, but the word stay really jumped out at me. And I sent this message to our agency this week. I think there are four or five things that we need to stay focused on right now. And one is stay positive. Keep your chin up and avoid falling into a negative mindset. There is power, Benj and Chris, in positive thinking. Two, stay in touch. Keep in touch with your team, your clients, using personal touches along with technology to do so. In other words, find your stay in touch rhythm and stick to it. Three is stay focused. Continue to stay zeroed in on your daily priorities looking for ways to uh, keep your mind clear, whether it be through walks, exercise, extended breaks from technology. Stay stay strategic. Stay committed to thinking around the corners for your business. Stay driven. Keep the drive as you keep moving forward. If you are a business owner, remember, this is so important, owning a business is about acceleration, not deceleration. So stay driven, stay visible, be seen, be seen among the people who need to see and hear from you the most. Stay real. We're going through a lot right now. Be real as a leader. It meant when you might be struggling, be your authentic self. You know, God's favorite color is transparency. And then finally, stay true. Stay true to your values of the organization. I think there's never been a more important time than now to live out the values of your company and demonstrate these in a meaningful way. So staying power as we're staying home is something I've been focused on a lot throughout this whole thing. You know, as I read through your seven pillars and, you know, as humans, we ebb and flow out of those pillars, right? The one that sticks out to me is, is certainly during times like this, right? You, you, you have to be a hundred or older to have lived through a pandemic, right? So none of this is a first experience for, for most of us. Yeah. And when I, when I look at the seventh pillar, remarkable resilience, Can, how do we, how, in times like this, man, how do we stay resilient? Um. I think one of the things you've got to do, Chris, is get your rest and stay rested. 
because once we lose our rest, I think we make poor decisions and we do things personally and professionally, we often regret. So I think rest is a, a key factor during the resiliency thing. And then staying in touch with some close friends that you can share with in terms of what you're dealing with and how you need some support mm-hmm. or prayers or whatever it might be, I think is extremely important. Um, and, and owning a business is a stamina test and it requires a lot of endurance and um, Tim Cook of Apple, I'm sure, has gotten tired before. He, he, he's, he's amazingly resilient, you know, to see Apple and all that they're doing. You don't need anyone's permission to change the world. At Roundtable Companies, we'll work together to discover your most compelling story for a book, film, or brand. Come to our table and tell your tale. We'll listen. And together, we'll discover the story that needs to be told to create your greatest impact. Their clients say it all. Dr. Danny McVetty, founder and CEO of Lap of Love, said, RTC has made my lifelong dream of writing a book easier and more imaginative than I would have thought possible. I had no idea where or how to start, but with RTC, all I had to do was talk. They take my ideas, organize them, Put color to my stories and make them into a compilation that I'm incredibly proud of. This process has quite literally been a dream come true. Start telling your story today. Visit roundtablecompanies.com for more information. You were 32 when you co-founded? Yeah. So 32 to now, right? That you you've ridden a few economic waves and it's it's when, when and, and the sixth pillar, I don't know if you set them in order, fanatical focus, right? And mm-hmm. just remarkable resilience, right? Yeah. Those, those two, I mean, all seven are, are equally important, but it's like times like this, it's like you said, we're making decisions a lot faster. We have to in order to keep up, right? And it just can wear you down mentally, physically, right? And, mm-hmm. and I'm a firm believer. I'm so glad you started with, with rest because as entrepreneurs, right, we're wearing many hats and, um, you know, we're working 14, 16, 18 hours a day. And, and I can speak from experience in my first few companies, I just go drive, 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 drive. It's like I had blinders on my head was down and I was just plowing a furrow for miles. And, 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 you know, that culminated in and, and manifested in, some physical ailments and mental, you know, and and Mm -hmm. I just had to kind of sort of, you know, you mentioned having a good, strong network around you. And I had, I have that. And I've had people, they just kind of tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey, Chris, you got to slow down man. you can't, this is not sustainable. It's not scalable and and get it. But, but if you don't get some downtime, you know, you're, you're not going to make it. And, and, and I'm glad I got that. It took a couple of taps. I'm going to be honest. I didn't do it on the first tap. Um, but it is important because uh, if you lose focus, if, if the combination of, of losing your resiliency as an entrepreneur and losing focus is catamount to disaster. Yeah. My little formula is threefold on the rest thing, Chris. Thanks for sharing that too. Is, Rest, reflect, restart. So I rest, 
And then while I'm resting, Benji, you were talking about, you know, your birthday and everything you reflected on. I, I reflect a little bit about, okay, as I'm resting and recharging my battery, how am I doing? And reflect. And then I restart. But it's rest, reflect, restart. I think the reflection piece is so important. You've got to have some self-reflection. And ask somebody you trust. Trust is one of the seven. You know, nothing moves faster than the speed of trust, as Covey talked about. So ask somebody you really trust and care for. Um, do I have any blind spots? Can you share with me how I'm doing with my pace right now? Anything you want to share? I've got some several men who are older, 10 years older, 15 years older, that I can go to just to get advice on when they were in my, my stage of life, what, yeah. what was going on. You know, I, I, when I think about that, I've, I have, um, you know, friends and family, right? But then I've had a network of colleagues who do what I do. I have a coach, but here's the other thing that I have. And I've had this for probably, I want to say seven plus years now. I have an accountability partner. Awesome. One person, we talk uh, once a week, every week for about 30 minutes and 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 it, and it's just like that we, we you know hey i think this might be in your blind spot mm-hmm. right so we we help each other to to be better facilitated <laughs> right because he, he he does the same thing i do but having that accountability partner right it, <laughs> it, it keeps me even keeled it doesn't let my ego get out of control i'm not better than anybody else and we we have, we were just talking about this the other day. We have it's a deep connection, and it, and it's based in trust, which yes. we, we built. And um, I'm so thankful for it. Good, that's yeah. that's that's a real gift. Well, and yeah. you mentioned having a few older mentors that that you trust you can pour into you. Talk about talk more about them. How how did you get in, into those relationships? Because the people that don't have them, they seem lost as to where would I even find somebody who would give a crap about me? Well, I really needed um, these folks in my life. Uh, my, my dad died when I was 19. I'll share a little bit about that. Um, but um, I've been really blessed, Bench, to have some guys who are into me and listen to me and share not sage on the stage like kind of stuff to me, but more of just, hey, this is what I, I did and I regret, or this is something I'd be careful with. And Frank Blake has been such a mentor for me, the founder of Home Depot, co- uh, the former CEO of Home Depot, and been blessed to have Frank in my life. And I've learned a ton from Frank um, just watching him. I learned just by watching him. And then I, I got to know Truett, Kathy, uh, when we started our business, uh, my first business trip Binge was to D.C., 32, stack of business cards, head to D.C. for my first meeting. And Truett was on the plane with his staff. And we ended up you know, landing at Ronald Reagan Airport, and it was around 10 in the morning. And I, I still knew Truett was in the area. And we were at baggage claim. And I went into the men's room and was washing my hands, and the door opens. And I was the only one in there at the time. And Truett walks into the men's room, the founder of Chick-fil-A. And I'm, I continue to wash my hands, gotten good at that now with this pandemic. So I was washing them back big time in 1995, waiting for true. And he finally came up and was right next to me. And I just read his book, his first book. It's easier to succeed than to fail. Ah, 
Isn't that true? And I looked at him and I said, it's easier to succeed than to fail. And he turned to me and smiled with that brilliant blue, with those brilliant blue eyes, blue eyes he had. And he said, that's right. What's your name? And I said, I'm Glenn Jackson. I just started a business in Atlanta and I so admire you and Chick-fil-A. He said, well, Glenn, you're going to do good. You're going to do well in your business. I can tell. Let me give you a, a, be our guest card and go get a Chick-fil-A sandwich on me. So he gave me the card. It was signed by him. And he left the men's room and I was holding the card. And I said to myself after he left, we're going to work for you one day. And I'm going to keep this card in my wallet until we do. So I, I kept it in there for 10 years. And we finally were asked to be their national agency for all the public relations support they had. But that's not the end of the story. Here's the cool thing, guys. I go over to baggage claim and I'm getting my luggage. And I see Truett. It's 75 years of age, getting luggage for a young lady who's pregnant. So she doesn't have to do it. And he puts it on a little push cart and I'm watching the whole thing. And she looks at him, a billionaire. She's looking at a billionaire and she says, doesn't even know who he is. Thank you so much, sir. And he smiled at her and said, my pleasure. And off she went and I'm watching all this at 32. And I, I realized that no task is too small nor too big for the servant leader. Because from there, he went to the white house to meet with the president and for Truett, Helping that young lady was just as just as important as meeting with the president in the Oval Office, just to say hi. So I've been blessed to be around people like a Frank Blake and a Truett Cathy, and have just learned from them by osmosis. Yeah, that's a great story. As meant to be. Yeah, and Frank is a is a. He writes handwritten notes. When he was the CEO of Home Depot, he'd write 100 to 150 handwritten notes a weekend, Chris. And when he went to those different stores, he said those notes were posted everywhere. You know what? People want to feel noteworthy, particularly during a pandemic. Getting a note and making that person feel worthy must make people feel noteworthy. A handwritten note is such a powerful thing. Let's do more of it. I got to tell my favorite, Frank Blake quote or a story um I've, I've been around frank a few times and yeah I, i've never I thought met, you had i've never met a bigger thinker oh my um, gosh it's insane he's he's we're all running on like a you know atari 7800 and mm. his brains on you know quantum physics. yeah um but and, and i don't know this this is not firsthand story but apparently when he got the job as as ceo of home depot he walked into his first board meeting and the first issue that he put on the table is we've got to start working on my secession plan god he's like people in this role don't last more than whatever he said you know five years yeah so we've got to start identifying who that next leader is right now wow i'm like who who has <laughs> no, none ego to walk in the room and be like all right we got to work on my replacement now um, just, just phenomenal thinker and leader. Mm. Um, uh, Glenn, can we go back to you losing your dad? Cause I know that had sure. a big impact on your life. Yeah, sure did. Um, well, let me tell you about my dad real quickly. He was part of the greatest generation 
and when he was a junior at Emory University here in Atlanta, after Pearl Harbor and everything that happened, he, along with a bunch of fraternity brothers, signed up and joined the United States Army and fought for our country. And uh, he was a tank driver, and uh, he was part of an elite tank battalion, the 70th Tank Battalion. Their motto was strike swiftly, and they struck swiftly in Africa and Italy. But their biggest task was the D-Day invasion, June 6, 1944. So they were the first tanks to land on that um, just very powerful day. A lot of loss and bloodshed. And uh, his tank was hit three days later. They made it through the landing, but they were hitting the hedgerows of France, and he was severely wounded and actually captured and um, was a POW for a year in Germany, Stalag 7A. And uh, he escaped and was recaptured um, and never talked about what happened. Um, Patton liberated the camp with the Third Army at the end of the war. But Dad came back to, to Georgia, finished up at the University of Georgia where he met my mom and then worked for uh, Southern Bell, now, you know, the AT&T world now. And uh, at 60, uh, he took his life and I was there when it happened. And the PTSD and just some other things he was struggling with just was insurmountable. And I didn't talk about it for a long time. And, and I realized that I needed to talk about it. I needed some help. And I needed to heal as a man. And one of the things I did was I went to Normandy with our family. And um, we wrote my father's name in the sand and prayed over it, thanked him for his service and his 19 years of, of making me a man. And something happened on the beach that, that afternoon. A, a horse and a, a guy in a buggy came over right after we did it, right over those words. And it was like it was almost punctuating the words. Uh, this guy appeared out of nowhere. And um, I guess if anybody's listening on the call, that's a, a suicide survivor. I, I understand what you've been through. And my point to you would be, you know, healing doesn't mean the damage never existed. It does mean that the damage no longer controls our lives. And whether it's a loss of a loved one through cancer or what happened to me, everybody's got we're all walking wounded in some way or another. We're all broken people. I just want to encourage everyone that healing doesn't mean the damage never existed. But it does mean, though, that the damage no longer controls our lives. And I had to make some tangible steps to get to that final point. And I can truly say now it no longer controls my life. I remember all the wonderful things my dad taught me, and I salute him every day. And he's with me in spirit at our agency every day. And I know he's cheering me on, telling me to strike swiftly. <laughs> was there something that helped you get over that hurdle? Uh, I'm sure it was a long journey, but to go from damaged to not living out of the damage, was there, was there something in that? Was it that moment in the sand or was there, was there something else that happened along the journey that helped you get over that? You know, I, want, I needed to celebrate his life. I needed to not focus on the day and the pain of that day 
and I needed to remember all the wonderful moments that he poured into me as a dad. And he kept a diary as a POW. I haven't shared the story, but if it's okay, I'll share this. Yeah, please. He kept a diary as a POW, and I have it now. It's in my home, and there's all sorts of reflection in there. And on his 85th birthday, would be 85th birthday, I was in um, Callaway Gardens near here for a speech that I had to do for a client. And my dad grew up about 30 miles north of Callaway. And I brought my dad's diary that day for the talk because it would be his 85th birthday. And he lived near there. So I shared about the diary and that was it. Well, I got into my car, Benj and Chris, and I was like I was pulled away from going back to Atlanta. And a little voice said, go visit your dad's home and honor him there. So I drove to the house, beautiful spring day. And I pulled up and I hadn't been there in 20 years. And it's where we would go visit his mother. and We had meals together as a family. And this voice behind this little porch area said, can I help you? And it was an older lady living at the home then. And I said, oh, gosh, I'm sorry to be staring at this house. I said, my dad grew up here in the 20s and 30s. And, and she said, uh, you mean Ed Jackson? You're his son? And I said, I am. She said, well, we always heard that a World War II D-Day tank driver lived in this house. And, wow. And um, why don't you come in and I'll give you a tour? Huh. So I came back in to the house and she showed me around. And I had some wonderful memories. And since it was my dad's birthday, I had the diary with me, as I mentioned. And in that diary, I keep 50 letters he wrote his mother to that exact same address when he was a POW. And I said to her, I said, I want to give you a gift. And I want to ask you to do something for me. And she said, what? And I went into my car and got one of those letters dated to that exact same address in 1944. And I gave it to her. And I said, will you frame this in the foyer of this house to honor my dad on his 85th birthday? And with tears in her eyes, she said, we're going to do it this week. And I wish my husband were here. He's at work right now. But we love the military. We honor your dad. It will be framed here. Well, his legend lives on. Thank you for sharing the memory. Thanks for coming on with us. I feel like yeah. I could always just hang out with you forever. Glenn, as we wrap, uh, where can people find out about you or about the book or about Jackson Spaulding? Where should we send people? Well, the book's on Amazon. If uh, you're having trouble sleeping at night, you'll sleep preeminently after reading it. <laughs> Come on. So it's on Amazon. Um, they can find it there. Uh, we're in Atlanta. We have offices in Dallas and Athens, Georgia. So come by and visit me. Uh, email me at gjackson at jacksonspalding.com if you want to say hi. And uh, I'm a big believer in entrepreneurial effort and starting a business and remaining successful and doing all the things you need to do to to create something and make it make it long long lasting and powerful and and impact people. So uh, that's my email address, G Jackson at Jackson Spalding, and um, the books on Amazon. And I want to thank you, Benj and Chris, just for having me on and seeing you again, Benj, and being with you. I'm so proud of you and all that you guys are doing. And I'm a big fan. I always know that I'm cheering you on. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Mutual. Thanks. Tractionville, I hope you enjoyed that 
ride with us. A lot of really useful information as well as some impactful heart conversation. So if this impacted you, would you share it with someone uh, and then drop us a line, let us know how it impacted you. And we'll see you next week for Tractionville Tuesday.